Welcome to the Inclusive Growth Show with Toby Milden. Future-proofing your business by creating a diverse workplace. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Inclusive Growth Show. I'm Toby Milden and today I'm joined by Andy Swan, who is the author of The Future of Work. And I met Andy uh, years ago when I was working at the BBC. He was writing his book at the time and he was really interested in modern workplaces, but that included uh, diversity and inclusion within the workplace. So he came to speak to me at the BBC when I was doing lots of work implementing diversity and inclusion uh, change within the corporation. And that's how we got to know each other. So Andy, it's great to, to have you on the show today. Thank you so much, Toby. It's, it's great to be here. Thank you for, for, for inviting me on. Look forward to, to the conversation. I'm looking forward to it as well. Andy, uh, I gave you a bit of an intro there, but can you, can you let us know a bit more about yourself, what you currently do, and I suppose a bit about your career background? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so as as you mentioned, I, I wrote a book called the the Human Workplace, and that's my kind of what I call my Andy Swan work. So, so I've always had this fascination between the relation around the relationship between people, organisations, and work, and and what works well and what work and what doesn't. So, so yeah, you know, I, I do a lot of speaking and, and writing, and, and the Human Workplace was the culmination of, of those things. Um, and obviously, as you know, I occasionally run an event called All About People, which you kindly came to came to speak at after that that first meeting we had. Um, in addition to that, my kind of my day job, as it were, um, I run a company called My Amazing Team, which has two parts. We have um, a part called MAT Studios, which is an innovation consultancy, um, for, for want of a, a better term. Um, we also have Elevate Labs, which is a creative and, and tech hub um, that really looks at how to create experiences that, that connect people with each other and with brands and, and other things like that. So, yeah. No, never a dull moment. <laughs> I know you. I know you're a, a busy man, uh, and you, you do loads of uh, funky stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, I remember speaking at your uh, All About People conference, and it was a great day. It was a really, really good conference. Um, so, why, why did you write the Human Workplace book? I think the Human Workplace, the book was a. It was a culmination for me of of kind of my my journeys in in work for for fifteen years. I'd become increasingly interested in what enabled people to do good work, what blocked it. So so you kind of have to take a bit of my my career background to to get that. So I did I did. Um, I'd had a couple of stints kind of starting up things. I ran a music magazine. I tried a tech startup. I, um, I worked for the NHS um, as, a, as a kind of mid-level manager. I, I ran and modernized medical records departments in a number of quite famous hospitals. And there I really got kind of caught up in, in this kind of how understanding how bureaucracy and overcomplicating things would actually stop people you know, from, from being able to achieve the work that they actually wanted to do. And, and the difference between, you know, what a 2% performance increase looks like on a spreadsheet and what that really means for the people who are out there trying to, to do that work. So, so that became a really fascinating thing for me. And I carried that forward um, when I inherited a family recruitment company. And that got me really interested in how organizations bring people in, what they do, how that relationship forms while they're there, what happens when they leave. And then I kind of moved on to, you know, employee engagement, organizational culture, and then the, you know, the environment you create for people. So all of these things came together. I then ended up running change management programs for, for BDG, um, a workplace design company. And all of these things came together and culminated in the human workplace, which was this idea that actually, you know, 
we, we talk about things in very siloed ways a lot of times. You know, HR talks one thing, um, organizational development does another, workplace design does another, facilities, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just to try and bring all of these things together and understand that actually when people thrive, the organization thrives too. And, and rather than give people a blueprint for creating that, actually helping them work through the, the frameworks that, that allow them to create the right human workplace for their own organization. Yeah, so what I like about your book is that it's it's really well structured and it's and it's a really kind of practical book as well for for business managers and i mean the first chapter of uh, the first kind of section of your book is called getting to grips with the with the basics and what what exactly do you cover in in that in that section Absolutely. And I think that it's a really important message, actually, that, that we all kind of professionally get bogged down in complications sometimes. And, and organizations in particular, the larger they are, have layers and layers of complexity that, that kind of kind of block things from happening. And really, that you know, the start of the book was a, a kind of call to let's stand back and let's look at things for what they really are. How do we define you know, the, the business? What What is our what is the business or the organization or the, you know, the, the setup that we work in? aiming to do? How does, how does it want to go about that? What, what are the things behind it? So to kind of break apart some of those things, you know, that we talk about as values, as culture, what brings all that together? And then actually to start a different view of, of organizations, actually as being separate from the business, in as much as the business has an aim of what it wants to achieve. And, and in my view, the organization is kind of the structure or platform that, that enables the business to go out and achieve what it wants to do. And I think if you step back and, and separate those two things and start looking at organizations as, as structures for achieving a business aim, um, you, can, you can start seeing it in a, in a very different way and kind of build it as that platform from that perspective, quite simple perspective as well. You know, when people thrive, organizations thrive too. So let's enable our people you know, and all the things that come with that, which I know we'll touch upon in a moment, you know, the, the contribution of, of you know, diverse perspectives into creativity, which fuels innovation and, and all of these things that form part of that platform. But yeah, the, that kind of start with the basics is take a step back, really look at your organization, why it exists, what it exists for and what it needs to achieve in order to succeed. And yeah, it's, it's kind of that simple. Yeah, I think it's a really good way to start the book because when I when I start working with my clients, I often go through the basics with them. So for me, it's about repositioning diversity and inclusion with the organization's uh, vision, mission and values. So a lot of organizations treat diversity and inclusion as a bit like a box ticking exercise or an activity that's kind of done on the side of the business. But actually, diversity and inclusion should be an enabler of your vision, mission and values. Um, so, uh, yeah, I often talk to my clients about those things and um, to, to make sure that it's it's all aligned, I suppose. Mm. Um, what are some of the other key principles that you talk about in your book from, a, I suppose, a general human workplace perspective before, before we start, do a, a deep dive into the diversity and inclusion side of things? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think it kind of, for, for me, this was about, you know, I could have grabbed examples of a million startups where there's five people wearing hoodies, doing cool things and how easy it was for them to connect and communicate and to change really quickly and to adapt and be agile. Um, but what I really wanted to do was understand what happens when you've got complexity? What happens when you're in a global organization or you have, you know, hundreds or thousands of employees? How can you enable individuals, teams, um, departments, units, how can you enable them, but also bring them together? Because, because obviously every organization has that wealth 
um, of skills, of expertise, of knowledge, of perspective in every single person they have. And, and they tend to traditionally just use them and say, this is your job description. This is the part you play. You know, don't, don't go over and above that. Just do that. Come in at nine o'clock, go home at five o'clock. And that's that. And, and so it was to try and break down some of those walls and really look at this kind of, you know, the organization as a, as a much kind of bigger kind of pool of potential. You know, there's all of these people who are there for a reason. They're there because they want to contribute. So how can you enable them to contribute in the best way? Because if everybody, I mean, you, you know as well as I do that the stats around employee engagement, there's something like 87% of the global workforce is disengaged in its in its work. And I was actually reading some stats yesterday um, about people looking for work at the moment. And it kind of bore that out that 87% of people at the moment are either actively or passively looking for new roles. And, and you kind of realize, you know, that the only if only 13% of your workforce really wants to be there, is really engaged and really able to contribute, that's a huge amount of missed potential for your organization. And it was really to step back and look at more of how can you as an organization, as leaders, um, enable the contribution of everyone and and kind of recognize that contribution because again the organization can benefit if everybody can play the biggest part they can and how can you really tap into that amazing potential in all of the people that are there because just because Sheila works in accounts you know that doesn't mean accounts is all she can do because at the weekend she may be taking amazing photographs that the marketing department could could really benefit from those skills so it's it was kind of it's kind of a really you know that that title the human or the human workplace you know how do you really enable humans and and in as much as you know we hear a lot about the future of work becoming the robots taking over our jobs actually it, it involves that as well how do you put the right technology and communications in place to enable humans to do what they're best at yeah, definitely. I mean, when it comes to diversity and inclusion, when you were writing the book and you were doing research because you you wrote case studies and spoke to um, diversity and inclusion specialists, what, what did you find out um, that you put into your book? I mean, I, th- I think for me, what what you tend to, to discover is, is that a lot of organizations still see diversity and inclusion as an add-on. They're told that they should be better at it. So they go and do it, not because they, they truly believe in it, but just because, like you said earlier, it's, it's kind of a tick box exercise. And what I kind of, I like to do is, is flip that. And instead of saying, here's why you should do it, actually say to them, it's so ridiculous for you to not be doing it. What, what's your excuse? You know, and kind of make that case. And, and I try and tie it into, you know, the bigger an organization, the, the, bigger, the more everything has to be tied to return on investment and finance and bottom line and things like that. And actually, you know, my, my kind of argument is always, well, how does, how does optimum diversity and inclusion impact your bottom line? And, and like I said, I run an innovation consultancy and, and Innovation is a, a big buzzword at the moment. Every organization has to innovate, especially in 2020. Everybody suddenly had to innovate and change the way they worked or the way their business ran or the way their company was structured and had to do it very quickly. And and when you when you need to innovate, you need to think creatively. So if you step back from there, if you say, right, every organization needs to innovate and those who do it best are those who succeed the most. Um, and then if you step back from there, to, to innovate, you have to have great ideas and you have to, and great ideas come from creativity. So in order to, to have great creativity, creativity comes from diversity of perspective. The more, the broader the perspectives you can bring together to, to contribute to having ideas, the more likely the chance of you having some amazing creative new perspective on, a, on an existing problem. So the more diverse your workforce, in whatever way you look at, you look at that diversity, um, 
the, the, the greater the number of potential perspectives that you can bring together. So diversity, I, I call it absolute diversity. Absolute diversity is is essential for the success of any organization because it's the, it's the true path to innovation and the true path to creating the future. And then when you when you come to to inclusion, you know, if people can't contribute, they could have all the knowledge, the expertise, the perspective in the world. And if they're not part of that conversation, if they're not able to, to participate or contribute, then actually the organization itself is missing out on a huge amount of potential for, for innovation, which further down the line leads to leads to impact on the bottom line. So so for me, that's that's what I discovered. Yeah. And I, and I spoke to, to amazing people like you who were really kind of pushing the boundaries in organizations and moving them in in that direction. And, and you know, you'll know that there's still a there's still a lot way to go um, in that respect and and it's very easy for for buyers to come in and particularly where you know founders start a company and just start recruiting kind of photocopies of themselves again and again or you know you have you have an entire sales department full of full of alpha alpha white males and and yet it, it actually it loses a lot of potential um, potential for for creativity and innovation and alternative approaches so yeah, I often find that companies that are in the startup or scale up phase of their growth, you know, they're they're so busy and so stretched and they're so focused on creating whatever their core product or services that when they get to a certain stage, they have to start professionalizing the way that they operate as a business. So they have to start thinking about having a more official recruitment process in place, for example. And they start having a team that means they not need to start employing managers. And that's when we start to see things creep in where the recruitment process starts adopting the bias of the founders, you know, that ma- they, yeah. that managers are promoted from within, but then they don't necessarily have the right skills or competencies to be inclusive managers. So it's really important for businesses at that 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 stage of their development to um, to really think seriously about diversity and inclusion, because I, I can guarantee it will it will bite them in the ass later on uh, when they get when they get bigger. Absolutely, and it's, it's funny we we touch on that in the book. There seems to be this magic number of around fifty people in an organization where we are up up to about fifty, everybody can know everyone else's name and and pretty much fit in a room. Um, once you get over over 50, that's where complexity starts coming in and all of these things you, you just mentioned. And, and it adds this kind of this kind of inhuman layer to everything because all of a sudden you have these layers of management. So, you know, the the most junior person can't just walk up to the CEO and have a conversation and say, here's what I've noticed, here's what we should be doing. And and yeah, and and so so all of these things kind of creep in and put barriers up to to full kind of human enablement and and participation and and yeah and it has an impact yeah i mean when you were writing the book what examples of really good practice did you come come across where you thought wow that that that's pretty advanced thinking and in terms of what companies are doing i mean it's, it's interesting and throughout the book there was no organization on the planet that i found who i would say this is exactly how it should be done and every organization does it in its own way and i think the things that i found most impactful were where people were being empowered from the inside to to have ideas and to and to kind of take responsibility to be the change they wanted to see um schneider electric is a, is a great example they run a really interesting global well-being um program for their for all of their global employees and it's very localized it's almost um 
kind of you know, global strategy, local delivery, but actually empowering the local teams to, to deliver it. And, and it means that they can, whether it's around recruitment or how they set up their workplace, they can be much more culturally sensitive or, or kind of you know, much more responsive to, to the needs of, of the actual people within their team. And, and you see this manifest in different ways through their global locations. And although the spirit is still the same because there is that strategy set at the, the top level, actually the way it's executed locally is, is very powerful and very, very different. So that, that was a big standard out for me um and i think yeah there, there were lots of pockets of, of things like that particularly where there, there was a lot of interesting things about recognizing people's contribution um in, in yeah not in necessarily the traditional financial way but just really appreciating people um and connecting them in that way but but i think yeah i think things like the schneider electric around empowering people uh, and enabling people was very powerful and that had a great impact on on you know diversity and inclusion within those teams as well I think that that was a that was a really big thing for me. Yeah, I really like your point around their approach to a, a global strategy, but local response because that's really important for international businesses in diversity. There needs to be a, a global strategy which is 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 sponsored by the global chief executive, and and they are ultimately accountable for that. But then um, it needs to be locally adapted because diversity uh, in different countries is, you know, with has different demographics. So, you know, and if we and and there's things like uh, LGBT, for example, in in some countries, it's you know it's unlawful, and uh, so it is important that I suppose global businesses have that that local sensitivity um, embedded in their strategy as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I mean, this is, of course, the Inclusive Growth Show. And um, what's your thoughts on what inclusive growth means? I, I really like this question. Um, I've been thinking about it for a while, and, and I like. I think the word growth is is really interesting and important one here because traditionally, when when you hear the word growth in in a business perspective, it's about growing profits, growing revenue, and and all of these things. And, and I think you know one thing that that we've been seeing for the last few years, and particularly in twenty twenty, is this idea of, of kind of human growth. You know, how can I be the best person I can be? How can I contribute the best? And and how can the organisation best serve its people with this kind of reversal of how can we how can we enable. So, so I think this kind of this kind of idea of, of growth as progress, not just growth as in scaling in, in size, is a or growth as development is, is a really interesting um, interesting idea. And and inclusive for me is about enabling people. You know, I, I talk a lot about providing a platform for people to thrive because again, when people thrive, the organisation thrives too. And, and I think it's that for me. It's it's you know removing complexity I, I talk about this simple better human filter you know anything you do you just have to stand back and go okay how could this be simpler how can we make it better how can it be more human because everything the organization should do it should be about enabling everybody in that organization regardless of their needs regardless of their of who they are what they do and their approach enable them to be able to contribute in the best possible way on any given day and respect the fact that some days you're able to contribute more than more than others you know uh, that kind of structure of of nine to five monday to friday doesn't doesn't fit everyone and does that just because they can't work well nine to five monday to friday does that mean they can't work well every day absolutely not and and this kind of 
this looking at, I call it, I call it freedom within parameters. You know, look at the absolute parameters of your business. Say, for example, you have a, you have a manufacturing um, machine that has to run in a certain location at certain times, or you have to be on the phone to answer client calls at certain times. Those are parameters that you can't avoid in your business. But, but start with complete freedom and then add in only the parameters. Don't start with huge complexity and then try and add back in freedom because actually you need to, you need to create, create a platform for, for people to thrive. And, and yeah, we talk about platforms a lot in, in this modern age and we all use platforms every day, whether you use social media or, or any of these other things. This, this kind of terminology of platforms is, makes sense to people now. And I think it's it's starting. We're starting down that road to to look at organisations in that way. You know, instead of the CEO being this kind of person in a big in a big glass office that everybody's too scared to talk to, actually, it's turning around. And actually, the CEO's job is now becoming almost a servant to the organisation. How can I enable all of these people to do their best possible work on any given day? Because if that happens, and if everyone can collaborate and communicate, and if we have that diversity of perspective, then actually greatness will come from from the organisation. And actually, the the other great message about that is do it, you know, this, this inclusive growth, do it in your own way. You know, your organization is a unique group of people doing unique things that no other organization is doing exactly the same way. Sitting back and going, oh, Google have done this, so we'll do this. Or this company has done this, therefore it means it's how we should set up our company. It's never going to work. Take inspiration from case studies, but actually create your own version of inclusive growth um, based based on the the aims of your your organization and your business and and I think for me that's the that's the essence of it yeah I think that's a, a brilliant thing to end on because when I do strategy workshops with my clients I I talk about the uh, red ocean and blue ocean strategies and basically red ocean strategy thinking is is kind of it's it's all about fighting over a slice of the pie and elbowing your way in and trying to trying to mimic what other people are doing and contesting over that competitive space but i don't i don't like that approach because i prefer the blue ocean thinking approach which is all about well how can you how can you do your own thing how can you be creative uh, you know how can you be a leader in the diversity and inclusion space and I get my clients to think that way. And the reason why I get them to think about that kind of blue ocean or red ocean thinking is that I want them, you know, I, I recognize that all of my clients are really unique. Like you say, they're a, they're a unique collection of, of human beings. And uh, what works for one business probably won't work for them. You know, they, they need to come up with their own unique recipe and ingredients. So yeah um before we before we go andy what's the how how does somebody listening to this interview uh get get a hold of your book um i, I mean it's, it's available in the usual places um amazon's always a, a good place to start so, so yeah i mean just just search for the human workplace andy swan on amazon yeah and, and you know it's always always lovely to hear when when people have read the book and and what they think and, and to engage in some conversation so, so yeah i have a, i have a saying that everything good starts with a conversation so brilliant so yeah so going so go and get a copy of the book on amazon and and leave leave a five-star review of course well, we appreciate um, it <laughs> yeah. um and then how do they how does somebody get in touch with you if they want to have a chat with you yeah absolutely i mean a, a good place is, is twitter i respond pretty quickly on there so at andy swan on twitter just remember there's two ends in swan you can find me at my website andyswan.io or, or just just look me up on on LinkedIn. I mean, like I say, I'm I'm always always happy to to chat with people and and just you know say hello and and share some ideas. So yeah, 
Brilliant. Well, Andy, thank you ever so much for joining me on today's episode. Um, And thank you for tuning in and listening to my interview with Andy. I hope you found it interesting and helpful in the job that you're doing. And uh, I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Inclusive Growth Show, which will be coming up very soon. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Inclusive Growth Show. For further information and resources from Toby and his team, head on over to our website at milden.co.uk